Good evening to you, Hampton Roads. Hello again, Tidewater Region, Northern North Carolina, and internet listeners everywhere. Here we are again for another episode of Marriage and Family Clinic. You're listening to us on WGPL 1350 on your AM dial here in Hampton Roads. And as always, we're here to break down, discuss, and offer insight into the dynamics of marriage and family relationships. Our mission is to help restore, rebuild, and perfect your marriage and family relationships. Now, before we get started tonight, I want to take just a moment and and make mention of Veterans Day on yesterday. Uh, I want to take an opportunity here, take advantage of this opportunity, uh, rather, and recognize every veteran of the United States military. Now, I'm pretty sure 99% of you are probably not drafted. That means you joined the military voluntarily. And voluntarily means you signed a blank check promising the nation all you had up to and including your life in defense of this nation. Sometimes the nation wrote that check in the form of taking away from your family time. Sometimes it wrote the check in the form of sleepless nights, long duties, deployments, overseas, battle for a lot of you. But you made it. And you knew that this nation could cash that check anytime it desired. But you signed the dotted line again and again. And because of that, you earned the coveted status of veteran. So I commend you. You know, I label the United States military as a paradox of sorts. What's paradoxical about the U.S. military? Well, the U.S. military is an organization equipped and trained and prepared to inflict the greatest and the most harm you could imagine. Yet it has demonstrated time and time again that it is also an organization that when called upon can do the greatest amount of good that you ever could imagine. And that good has come through responses to natural disasters and other emergency situations here at home in the United States of America and abroad in foreign countries. I know when I was living in Japan for all those 20-something years, we would routinely see the United States military responding to natural disasters around Southeast Asia there. So again, I congratulate and commend every veteran. And as a veteran of the United States Marine Corps myself, I sent out a heartfelt sympathy fidelis remain faithful all right well for the last eight weeks or so i've been dealing with the various dynamics of being a woman i've spoken on the definition of a woman little girls growing into women the importance of a girl's relationship with her mother and father the relationship between a woman and a man a woman and her physical appearance i've even dealt with being a single mother and i sincerely hope that somewhere in all of that I touched on something that's meaningful to most every woman that would be listening or to most every woman that would ever hear these broadcasts and these recordings. I hope that I touched on something that would encourage you, give you some guidance, advise you, uh, give you some wise counsel some way or another. I just hope it benefited and blessed anyone who would listen to it. Now, and, and it's impossible to speak to every facet of what it means to be a woman, just like it was impossible at the beginning of this series to fully and concisely define what a woman is. The bottom line is the issues that a woman deals with, they are impacting, they are varied, they are far reaching, and they are as impacting, they are as varied, they are as far reaching as the definition of woman itself. 
But again, I do hope that I've been successful in addressing some of the issues that women deal with. And I want to continue on tonight. And tonight, I'm going to try my best to make this the last installment in this series. I, I say I'm going to try my best because I've got a lot on my mind here. Uh, so I want to wrap this thing up. But I want this to be uh, the last installment in this series on women and the things that they deal with. As we say in the church quite often, I'm not done. I'm just going to quit. Uh, I want to conclude this series on women's issue by wrapping it all up and briefly speaking to a young woman and her sexuality. Yeah, I want to wrap this all up. I want to speak to a young woman and her sexuality. And please note that I said a young woman. Tonight, I want to target young women, girls and young women. And I would say, oh, between the ages of 13 all the way up to the early to mid-30s. This is my target audience on tonight because these are the ages where a woman's sexuality usually goes from blossoming to love to childbearing to motherhood to wife to uh, the full gamut of womanhood. And what I want to point out tonight that the full gamut of womanhood includes a woman uh, developing, coming to know and her sexuality coming to fruition. Now, there are several aspects to a woman's sexuality that deserve attention and time, uh, definitely time that we do not have, but I'm going to try nonetheless. Uh, the matter of a woman's sexuality presents her multiple challenges that form major battles in her life that she's going to have to fight. Let me say that again. A girl, a young girl, a young woman, a middle-aged woman, the matter of her sexuality throughout her life is going to present her multiple challenge, differing in strength, degrees of strength and power is going to present her multiple challenges that are going to uh, confront her and bring her into conflict. And they're going to form major battles in her life that she's going to have to fight. And But the key to it is if she wins these battles, if she wins these battles, when she wins these battles, she'll be that much closer to a fulfilling life of identity and purpose. Now, I was reading through a book that I have on my shelf there. Uh, uh, it's called Every Young Woman's Battle. Now, I'm actually going to lift most of this uh, from that book, but it's just it, it really covers my thoughts and how I feel. But uh, for the sake of I, I want to protect myself against plagiarism, so forth and so on. So just know I'm giving credit. I'm giving credit. To this book tonight because I extracted a lot of material uh, from that book that's titled Every Woman's Battle. And if you want to read, uh, you want some information or some help in, in identifying the challenges that a young lady, a girl, or a young woman would deal with and what they will go through as they come into their own, sexually speaking, as they're developing in their sexuality, as they come into their own sexual identity, I, I think that's a really good text for you to go out and get for yourself. The authors are Shannon Etheridge and Stephen, uh, uh, Stephen Arterburn. That's A-R-T-E-B-U-R-N. A-R-T-E-R-B-U-R-N. And I'm using this text to help me organize this particular issue that women deal with and hopefully present an easy reference tool for the benefit of any woman that would listen to us on tonight. 
You know, the best place to start, if we're going to deal with a woman's sexuality, then the best place to start, as always, is to define uh, sexuality. So what is sexuality in a woman? What does sexuality mean to a woman? Well, I don't want to say what does sexuality mean to a woman. I w again, I want to give you a good frame of reference. So I want to define as best I can sexuality in a woman. And several weeks ago, I defined a woman as a divinely inspired, wonderful mix of the biological, physiological, psychological, emotional, spiritual, and some more. And all of that comes together to form a unique person of divinely appointed purpose. So then the biological, physiological, psychological, emotional, spiritual, uh, and then some more. So what is the more? Well, the more is her sexuality. Uh, uh, one thing that makes a woman unique, one thing that adds to her purpose is her sexuality. And so I really hope to impress upon you how complex a matter a woman's sexuality truly is. Like everything else to do with a woman, her sexuality is complex. It's not all that black and white. It's not that simple. And for everyone, for every woman, it's just a little bit different. It's just a little bit different. All right. So so in spite of postmodernism and in spite of all the new age enlightenment we witness daily, uh, in spite of the current movement to remove and dismiss the differences between men and women, in spite of all the efforts of everybody in the world, the liberal left and so forth and so on, I won't, don't want to be political. Uh, but you better be careful with those liberal folks. Uh, in spite of all of the efforts to eliminate the difference between men and women, uh, the truth of the matter is God created us to be different. We are never going to be the same. God created us male and female we're always going to be male and female, regardless of how you change your physical anatomy. You can cut this off and sew that up and twist that and open that and close that, so forth and so on. Remove those, put some more there, whatever the case may be. Regardless of all of that, we know what you are at the genetic level. We know what everyone is, genetically speaking, because chromosomes don't lie. And chromosomes don't deceive. Chromosomes do not change. They are unchangeable, immutable. And the chromosomes you came in here with are the chromosomes you're leaving out of here with. God made us different. He made us male and he made us female. So in spite of everything going on in society, we want boys and girls to use the same bathroom. We want little children to be able to discover and define their own sexual identity. L l listen, uh, this stuff is poppycock. This is poppycock. A three, four, and five-year-old child, a three, four, and five-year-old little boy, little girl, they don't know enough about what they're saying and they don't have the wisdom they don't have the experience they don't have the emotional maturity to tell their mom and dad what their sex is going to be and mom and dad listen to them 
And if a three, four, and five-year-old child can convince his mom and dad of their sexual identity, then I really wonder who the immature one is, the child or the parent. God created a male sex and God created a female sex. And in spite of all of man's purported enlightened thinking, there has been and always will be two sexes, male and female. It's a spiritual, a genetic, and a biological truth. There are two sexes. A woman and a man, they're sexual beings. But neither a man or a woman are sexual because they have sex. You're not sexual because you have sex. They have sex, hopefully at the right time, and that's after they're married. They have sex because the, having sex goes along with being a sexual being. Having sex is part of being a sexual being. But having sex is not the totality of your sexuality. And that's what I want to get to you. Sexuality, when we use the word sexuality, we're not talking about having sex alone. When we use the word sexuality, we're talking about the, the oomph, the combination of attributes. That's what I want to say. Sexuality is the combination of attributes. That includes your physical appearance, your personality, your disposition, your attitude, your mental capacity, etc., etc., etc. The combination of all those attributes that makes a woman uniquely attractive. A woman's sexuality makes her attractive to certain men. Unfortunately, to certain women also. Uh, be that as it may, this is why not every woman is equally attractive to every man. Every woman, the combination of these attributes in her, her physical appearance, her personality, her disposition, her attitude, her mental capacity, the, the, the shape of her eyes, the, the, her body shape, the sound of her voice, uh, 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 everything about her comes together to form her sexuality. And all of those attributes, all of those traits, all of those characteristics, all of those qualities make her uniquely attractive. So then every woman is not attractive to every man. And I would imagine when I finally get to the men, I'm going to say also that every man is not attractive to every woman. The purpose of a woman's sexuality is to facilitate intimacy with a man. Wow. God put her together with the specific combination of attributes, qualities, and characteristics that he did so that she could, it, it could facilitate her intimacy with a man. Oh, wow. Hey, you're listening. Let me take a break right here and let you know that you're listening to this week's episode of Marriage and Family Clinic. Saw a brother at church on Sunday morning. He always reminds me. He repeats my line. Let me know you're listening to me. Let me know that you hear me. Email me, cdhodges at hotmail.com. So, bro, I'm going to say it one more time. Let me know that you're listening to me. Let me know that you hear me. Let me know whether or not I'm wasting time. You can email me at cdhodges at hotmail.com. You can Facebook me. That's Bishop Carl. 
Carl Hodges. And also, if you want to hear this broadcast or any other of my broadcasts, you can go to iTunes and search the C.D. Hodges' podcast. Or you can use that little purple icon for a podcast on your smart device and just search C.D. Hodges' podcast. You'll find us there. All right. So the purpose of a woman's sexuality is to facilitate intimacy with a man. That intimacy is physical, it's emotional, and it's spiritual. It's physical, it's emotional, and it's spiritual. Intimacy is all about connecting deeply on a physical, emotional, and spiritual level. Sometimes based on how you approach it, your intimacy may be at a level one or two. And some folks are blessed to reach intimacy at a level 8, 9, or 10. If we're saying 8, 9, and 10 is really, really extremely deeply connected, and 1 or 2 is just shallow connection. Uh, it depends on how you give yourself to each other. That's going to determine your degree and your level of intimacy. But what I'm saying to you tonight is that a woman's sexuality, the purpose of a woman's sexuality is to facilitate intimacy with a man. And the point of intimacy for a woman and a man is to get to know, to get to accept, to appreciate, and to love each other on the deepest level possible. You know, physical intimacy begins with a woman's physical appearance to a man because men are visually stimulated. Physical in intimacy moves on to the physical act of sexual intercourse at the right time. Physical intimacy involves sexual intercourse at the right time after marriage. And as such, the woman's body is made physically capable of receiving the man's sexual organ during intercourse. God made the man and the woman physically with parts that are capable of experiencing pleasure. God made the man and the woman. He assembled them. He put them together so that they could bring pleasure to each other through the act of sexual intercourse. And that's meant for a husband and a wife. And the man and the woman, they engage in sexual intercourse for the purpose of procreation and recreation. It's to make babies so that we perpetuate the human race. We need more babies. Uh, until recently, the last year or two, in China, it was illegal to have a baby without the government's permission. They had too many babies, <laughs> but we need to continue to have babies to continue to populate the world. All right. So we have sexual intercourse for the purpose of procreation, make more babies. But we also have sexual intercourse for the purpose of recreation, recreation. God gave us sex as a gift to enjoy. God gave sex to a man and a woman who are married to each other for, for the purpose of enjoying that. God purposed that the human races continue through sex between a man and a woman. Sexual intercourse also provides for relief, reassurance, re-enthusiasm, reinvigorating. You get to redo yourself through sexual intercourse. Sexual intercourse is a means by which a man and a woman express love to each other. I did not say make love. I said express love to each other. We can't make love. 
Love existed before you ever learned how to do whatever it is you do. Love existed before you and I ever got here. Love was in the beginning because God is love. So we don't make love. We experience love. We enjoy love. We share love and we are blessed by love. But sexual intercourse is not love. Sexual intercourse is a means by which we share and express love. Bringing flowers is an expression of love. Taking a wife out to dinner is an expression of love. Relieving a her or him from household chores is an expression of love. Likewise, sexual intercourse is an expression of love. It's just a much more deeper and meaningful expression of love. All right. So appropriate engagement of sexual intercourse increases the emotional connection and attachment between a man and a woman. Let me say that again. Appropriate engagement of sexual intercourse. The only appropriate engagement of sexual intercourse is between a man and a woman who's married to each other. Appropriate engagement of sexual intercourse increases the emotional connection and attachment between a man and a woman. Appropriate engagement not only includes a man and a woman married to each other, but it includes a man and a woman willingly, cheerfully, joyfully, gladly giving themselves to each other and not withholding sex because I want to punish you and not making the other or guilt tripping the other or forcing the other to perform sexual acts that they don't feel comfortable with, that they don't want to perform. That's inappropriate engagement of sexual intercourse. But appropriate engagement of sexual intercourse brings joy and fulfillment to both the husband and the wife. And it increases, it deeply increases the emotional connection, the emotional bond and attachment between that man and that woman. And I want to be careful right here because for decades, Hollywood has painted this picture of a man and a woman meeting each other in the evening at a party or at a dinner at whatever the case may be, sleeping with each other later on that night and waking up the next morning talking about, I love you. When friends ask what happened that last night, the answer is we made love. You can't meet someone in the evening and in less than 12 hours, you say, I love you. You can't sleep with someone you don't know and then get up and say, we made love. This is one of the biggest lies and shams and farces the world has ever seen, the world has ever heard. And because we believe we can lay down and make love because we use these lies, we keep speaking these lies and these fantasies, it has messed up the minds and the hearts of men and women, especially our young people. Especially our young people and our young people don't see the harm. So they end up asking moms and dads. They end up asking Sunday school teachers and whomever. They end up asking the question, if God gave us sex and if God made sex and if God, if sex is a gift from God and if God made us sexual beings, then why wait to have sex? Well, it's true. God made us sexual beings. God gave us sex and sex is good. But you can only appropriately conclude that by saying God gave it to us and it's reserved for the holy union of matrimony. One reason is because uh, uh, 
One reason for this mess up is because you don't have the emotional connection you think you have just because you have sex. Minds and hearts of men and women, boys and girls, all over the world for all time have been messed up through sex because you don't think you have, you don't have the emotional connection you think you have just because you have sex. Sexual intercourse is an element that facilitates emotional intimacy, but it doesn't happen by sex alone. If we strive for emotional intimacy by sex alone, we are bound to be disappointed. God's perfect ideal for sex is for sexual intercourse to be a gift shared between a man and a woman who are married to each other. And I know I sound old fashioned as all get off right now, but I have to stress this truth. There is a bond built through sexual intercourse, but it's not what so many of us think. Sexual intercourse shared in the bond of holy matrimony seals and strengthens the marriage bond, whereas sexual intercourse before time and outside of marriage leads to sexual confusion and dysfunction. I remember one of my high school teachers, Coach Yanning, uh, we had the first name Carl. Coach Carl Yanning would always tell us, save it for the honeymoon. We didn't pay a whole lot of attention, and, and, and many of us thought we knew better than Coach Yannick. Some of us who thought we knew better than Coach Yannick disregarded his sage advice. We engaged in sexual activity, and some of the girls got pregnant. Some of the boys impregnated girls. Many uncapped some deep emotions way too early. It resulted in sexual confusion and sexual dysfunction, all because we couldn't listen to one simple piece of advice, save it for the honeymoon. And everyone who has been a teen and observed teens are sure of one thing. Teens can be extremely cruel. Yes, they can. Teens and youth, they can be extremely cruel. And in some very, very unfortunate situations, teens have exploited their friends' sexual activities for fun and sport. And the result has been everything from serious embarrassment to suicide included in there because they engaged in sex too early. Their friends got a hold of it, made it public, embarrassed, humiliated them. It impacted their sexual development. Their sexual development became skewed. And now they grow into adults. She grows into an adult woman who is sexually confused and sexually dysfunctional. The complexity of a woman's sexuality means that she will endure battles trying to live the life she wants to live. And let me give you a few clues that can help you measure the degree of your battle and your tendency to give in to sexual temptation. I want you to get this now. Your sexuality is complex. It's a complex thing about you, woman. And it's so complex that it's going to bring battles to you. And you're going to battle while you're developing your sexuality. And I want to give you a few clues that let you know you're in the battle. I want to give you a few clues. And these clues are going to give you an idea of your tendency to give in to sexual temptation also. You're in the battle if you constantly watch movies with graphic sex scenes. You're in the battle if your music talks about sexual activities outside of marriage. If you act seductively to get a man's or a guy's attention, you're in the battle. 
or if you have strong, consistent thoughts about how to keep a boyfriend and, and working out how to keep a boyfriend. I got to keep a boyfriend. I really need my boyfriend. I can't do it without my boyfriend. And this goes through the minds and hearts of so many young girls, teenage girls. If that's you, you're in the battle. You're in the battle if you habitually masturbate for pleasure or to avoid sexual activity. In order to avoid sexual activity, you go and masturbate. You're in the battle. And you increase your chance of giving into sexual temptation. Or you think oral sex is not sex at all because it's not vaginal and you can't get pregnant through oral sex. You're in the battle. When you go to justify sexual activity, you're in the battle. You're in the battle if you feel like you're somehow damaged because of past sexual activity. You're in the battle if you believe living together and having sex before marriage is okay. You're in the battle. Teens especially, teens especially, you're in the battle if you lie to your mama and daddy in order to get out of the house and go to a party because you want to see a boy or boyfriend. Or you make out with a boy because you feel pressured because everybody else is doing it and they're telling you you're just simple and you are, uh, uh, you know, they, they mock your virginity or whatever the case may be. When you begin to feel that type of pressure, you're in the battle. You're in the battle. If you go to chat rooms, you know good and well you have no business going to. You're in the battle. And when I say you're in battle, you're in the battle. Listen, again, I'm saying to you, woman, young girl, teenage lady. I'm saying to you that your sexuality is a complex thing. It's a complex thing about you. And you're going to go through some trials dealing with it. Learn yourself. All right. Learn yourself. Listen, I, I said in the beginning I wanted to be done with this series on tonight, but it, I'm not going to complete it. I'm going to have to come back to this on next week. I'm going to continue dealing with a woman's sexuality on next week. And uh, uh, so please join us. We're going to be right back here at 6 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. That's 6 to 6.30 p.m. Eastern Standard Time right here. We're going to be listening for you. Hey, you've been listening to Marriage and Family Clinic on this week. WGPL 1350 on your AM dial here in Hampton Roads. Join us every week, every Tuesday, 6 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. We'll be right here to break down, to discuss and provide enlightenment, dealing with marriage and family relationships with the hope of renewing, rebuilding, restoring and perfecting those relationships. Join us, please. And remember, I need to hear from you. I really want to hear from you. Email me at cdhodges at hotmail.com. Look me up on Facebook. Bishop Carl Hodges. And again, if you want to hear again, if you want to hear any of my podcasts, you can go to iTunes and search the CD Hodges podcast or look me up on your device, any podcast uh, app, the CD Hodges podcast. All right. Listen, remember, you can't have peace until you surrender your life to the Prince of Peace. God bless you. We're out.